Anyway, I'd like to welcome the True House Stories, Mr. Derek McKenzie. <sighs> Hi, everyone. Thank you, Derek. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> Let's get right into this today. You know, okay. big day. It's a big it's an inauguration day. So yeah. great day. Inaugurate us, inaugurate us to how yeah. music found a young Derek. Whoa. Okay. So how did I start? Well, to be honest, I picked up my first drumsticks, which wasn't quite drumsticks. It was it was coat hangers, to be honest. It was coat hangers. So um, because my mum is a seamstress, she was a seamstress because re she's retired now. Oh, God she bless was her. a seamstress. So, uh, and she's, and um, she used to have these hangers to hang up the dresses on. And then there were these kind of like, you know, hangers are kind of, they go like that. And then they've got the other bit coming underneath, right? For the trouser, for the trouser. But this one's just went halfway like that, halfway like that. And I just took the hook bit out <laughs> somehow I just bend it out and then just use the two, use a pair of ha coat hangers and just sit down on the floor with my legs crossed and just bang out just rhythms on the floor. Now that was when I was like five or six. So that was the first time I picked up, let's just say a pair of sticks. Okay. You know, and, um, and then from there, you know, I, I mean, I, I just like listen to my dad's music and didn't just play along to whatever came on, whether it was old school reggae, ska, um, rock and roll stuff, you know, um, Bill Haley, Elvis Presley, Little Richard, Chuck Berry, all the reggae stuff, all the old reggae school, all old school reggae guys. My dad had loads of music, still has got loads of music, you know, and I just bang along to that. So, and then consequently, we then moved house fast forward to like when I was like now 10, about 10 or 11. I then picked up a bit more on the drums. Um, my friends who lived on my road discovered that I could play the drums or had a good sense of rhythm, should I say, because I never had a drum kit at this point. So I'm still using the, the coat hangers and all that. And then they said, oh, we want to do, do a band. Do you fancy playing the drums? I was like, yeah, why not? cool so my friend chris he had the he was a guitarist he had a drum kit went along up to his house and just played uh played drums with his band that lasted for like two weeks <laughs> didn't make weren't successful because we didn't do any gigs being 10 and 11 wait, 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 we're already thinking about doing gigs at 10 <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. We're aspiring to do gigs at 10. We're talking oh, yes. about, we normally with 10 year olds, yes. what we're talking about is watching <laughs> football, maybe playing a little bit together. Let's go watch more TV or no sense cartoons or whatever. Uh, none of that for me. You guys looking to do bar gigs? You a bar band already? None of that football stuff. I was good at athletics, right? I admit Let's that. Let's take it on the road, mate. We're taking this on the road. We're going <laughs> road. No one's got a driver's license. No one's legally. <laughs> but yeah, you're all thinking about just taking the world away. Okay. So go ahead. So I then, so then that band lasted about 10. I was last until about, I don't know, until about 10 or something. Anyway, fast forward again. I'm now at senior school um, and I'm about 14 years old, still playing, you know, practicing, playing the drums. Uh, but I still didn't have a drum kit. So I used to practice uh, 
um, I used to play to music on a stool, on a stool which was like kind of rectangular, like rectangular shape. And then I would sit at one end of the stool and get my get the coat, still got coat hangers at this point. And then I'll be like just banging on the banging on the chair and playing to like music, playing to reggae music and stuff like that. And literally just played so much on this chair, I made a hole in it. Consequently, I got in trouble. <laughs> so it was mom's chair, like a leather type of chair that yeah. you snap in it, right? With the- yeah, yeah, yeah. And hitting the same spot all the time, wore it out, put a hole in it. Yep. Yeah. You know, and then... Derek, stop! Exactly. Derek. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, my dad beat my dad, recovered the chair, of course. Good man. And then I started again. <laughs> fresh skin. Yeah. But he, he put a tougher skin, a tougher leather skin on it this time. And uh, and so, you know, consequently, you know, I was just practicing. I was just to practice, like, you know, a couple of, you know, every day, more or less, playing music and all that. And um, one of my sister's old boyfriends, Marcus is his name. He's from, he's from Nottingham and he played keyboards in a band. Uh, I can't remember the name of the band, uh, but anyway, it was local. I was living in Tottenham in North London and he saw me playing on the chair and he said, do you know what? You've got a really good sense of rhythm. You sound really good. And you know, we don't really think anything of it because I didn't think anything of it. And I just thought, right. Yeah, oh yeah. All right. You know? Yeah. Cool. He goes, why don't you come along? to one of the bands, one of my band's rehearsals. Right. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, oh, yeah, really excited. Went along to this, um, went along to the, um, to the rehearsal and I saw basically my, it'd be my second drum kit live. And this kit was massive. It had every single Tom from like an eight inch, 10, 12, 13, 14, 16, it had all the toms, massive it was. Uh, and the guys were playing and I thought it sounded brilliant, really, really cool. Um, and then, of course, when I had a break, drummer said, oh, do you fancy having a go? I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So I got on the kit and, of course, he's right-handed. So, oh, you're Southport, so you're left-handed. Yeah, so he, so he was playing this way. And when I got on the kit, I just found it really awkward really weird, just weird to play. And he, and he said, he goes, because what hand do you write with? I said, I'm left-handed. He goes, oh, so you must probably got to swap the, the hi-hat over to the other side and the snare and everything. So yeah, I went, okay, yeah. So we swapped it over and, and it felt really comfortable and I just played. It was great. And that was my first proper, like, experience with playing with a band, with a, you know, like with a bass guitar, and keyboards so wait let me ask let me so there was never before you touched a cymbal with a pedal and a kick drum with a with a with a kick drum uh with the pedal nothing no so you jumped on when i was 10 and that was and that and then i didn't even take it seriously then so that was the first time i ever went on a drum kit on an actual drum kit to play wow yeah yeah and you knew exactly, I mean, look, I know you're playing, so you got the rhythm right, but you yeah. knew exactly how to get the cymbals to open and close and, yeah. and make it feel like. Yeah, just, just get, you know, the basics just keep it, just keeping time. Basically what I was doing was just keeping time. Yep. 
you know, and just, and the guys were just playing along, you know, and so, you know, just did that for about 10 or 15 minutes. And that, and that was like my first experience of, of playing live drums. Did you even do the roles, complete I, role and everything? Well, I tried to do a role. That's where it gets, that, then, it's interesting if you never did it before. And that was, and that was a bit of a hard one. Cause you have to remember the, the drums are like, the drums are up here. I'm like down here. Cause I was only tiny. Do you know what I mean? So the drums are up here. <laughs> 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 I'm all the way over here trying to hit the bloody symbol. It's just it's miles away. Do you know what I mean? And then come back. Anyway, I decided just to stick with kick, snare and hat. <laughs> gotcha. No, that's the most safest bet. Yeah, exactly. So kick, snare and hat, that worked. And I was just, and I was, I was over the moon. I actually got to play um, with musicians on my, on my first, uh, on the first drum kit. Um, uh, and, and then just slightly after that, it wasn't too long after that, that I actually uh, joined uh, not join. I never quite joined the band as such. I, yes, no. Let's tell a lie. I used to follow another band, and they were called Shalana, based out, based in Tottenham. Again, they were a reggae band, and their drummer Orville, who was a good mate of mine, one of my best mates. Bless his soul, he's, he's passed now, and he was also left-handed as well. So when I went to see them rehearse, I was I was able to like jump on his kit and play quite freely because it was because it was left-handed, he was left-handed and we just, we just played drums. You know what I mean? He was in the band, but when there was like a spare moment, I just jumped on the drums and play. So, and he gave me like, like my first proper experience to play regularly on a drum kit. So that was fun. So that was really good. That'd be like every Sunday down at, uh, down at the youth club, um, or every Sunday down at the youth club and just, and just play from like two till six every Sunday. And it was oh wow! So you're really getting proper training. So I'm getting proper into it, um, and you know, and then I did get a gig, and he lent me his drum kit, which was great. So you know, because I didn't have a drum kit, still ain't got a drum kit at this point, and I'm just like just using Orville's drum kit. He then, um, uh, you know, he just obviously got busier, and just they they got gigs and stuff, and then you know I stopped again. Uh, now, and then after that, I'm in school senior school now i'm at senior school so i'm about well, i don't know 15 or something like that about 15 i reckon 14 15 yeah about 15 i reckon and we had this new we had a new uh a new girl come into the to, into the into the class okay who got who got sat next to me and what i didn't know was that she was a singer but she was really, she was really experienced. She was already doing sessions. She was already semi-pro doing sessions, doing gigs, making records. She was already doing that at like 14, 15. And her name was Toyin. Um, and she had a band called Pure and Simple. And they had a drummer. Uh, drum was cool. It was all right. It was cool, you know. Um, but, you know, she mentioned that she was looking for a new drummer. And... And I said, you know, when you're ready, I said, you know what, if you, if you want, I'll try out for your band, you know, and literally like maybe six weeks later or something, there were some issues within the band. Uh, and she asked me, do you want to, you know, do you fancy coming to try out for the band? And I said, yeah, why not? So I came and tried out for the band and did, uh, and got my, and got the job as the, the drummer for Pure and Simple. Wow. And that was, that was my first 
semi-pro geek. That was my first semi-pro geek. That was. So that let's was let's clarify when we say semi-pro to the novice people that don't know what they mean. Semi-pro. Does it mean you were working on charity or were you working where you were getting something? I was getting expenses. Okay. <laughs> He's working on charity level, but he gets there. Expenses. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's say it once more. He gets there with, he gets cab fare, or not even cab fare. He gets, he gets transit fare. Transit fare. That's what we call it. Yeah. Black transit. cab fare would never be part of the, part no, of transportation fees is what i got transportation did you get grub did you get food at the gig yeah 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 got fed and watered as always that's standard that's horse, standard. so he basically was horse bathed <laughs> <laughs> and dragged and around the town <laughs> yeah um and i did and uh i was with them for a, a couple of years about well you know what everybody needs it needs to, to get their chops so i'm going to presume that this was a good a good moment for you to work out yeah you're doing you know education wise it's like you guys say i always learned it from all of you it's like you call it the apprenticeship time yes if that's your apprenticeship you were doing it right then yeah that's right yeah yeah so i was semi-pro from then you know literally you know uh, because toyin had a drum kit because remember i still haven't got my drum kit so she had a drum kit that i used for her gigs Who's who made the drum kit that you were playing on for her gigs? You remember? Who made the drum? I think it was Pearl. Okay. Pearl drum kit. Yeah. There's a Pearl, yeah. I'm sure it was a Pearl drum kit. It was all right. It did the job. Kick, snare, hat, couple of toms, couple of cymbals. It's great, you know. Um, and uh, it sounded okay. I didn't have a clue about tuning drums or anything, but you know what? It, it worked. So we were good. And it sounded good for what we wanted. And, uh, and we just, we just, we got by, we got by, you know. And, you just, and, and how often was she gigging out? And where were you guys gigging? Be, gig, so we'd rehearse up? every week, like every Monday. We rehearse like every Monday for like two hours or oh, three hours, six till nine or six. Yeah, six till nine. And we'd gig maybe once a month, which she did everything. She did, she went out, she found the gigs. She, she did all, all her own like marketing and stuff at marketing back then as, as you could do it. Do you know what I mean? She went traveling around all over the place, looking for gigs. Oh, she did it all. She worked proper hard, proper. And I was like, kind of like going to school and just do my thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Were you, you know. recording yet at that time? Or were you just doing all the live stuff? No, it was just, it was just all live. I didn't do no recording yet. I hadn't done no recording yet. I didn't do, do no recording until I got my first drum kit. Yeah. What was the music style you would have said that she would be genre under? She would be classed as, we have a genre here called Lovers Rock. I don't know if you know it. I know it, but you can explain it's it to all the young kids. Okay, so it's basically it's reggae music with soulful chords, with really nice soulful chords based on old soul tracks um so like i don't know uh let's oh gosh Mm. let's say like like a like a old school barry white track okay you know what i mean if you want me say it 
that's that type of stuff. Do you know what I mean? You know, that old school soul stuff, Teddy Pendergrass stuff, Stephanie Mills. If you wonder, isn't she lovely? Then all of a sudden caught with to a, a, to a reggae feel. So you drop in the reggae type of trumpet. Reggae beats and with the chink, chink, chink. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Over, over those chords, using the chords of the song, you know. So that, and, she, and what she would do is, um, her style because she also wrote as well so she wrote her own songs she did oh, crikey she must have but when i knew her she must have already penned about maybe 10 songs because she was already recording as well you see she'd already done like tracks and released them so she'd already penned like 10 songs so we were doing like her songs plus some covers as well which is great you know um but the style of music was amazing it was actually really good and it was a great way for me to kind of get into the groove, to kind of learn how to groove as well. You know, so it was it was really good, really good. We, we you know we did we gig like maybe you know once or twice a month. Christmas we'd get a few more gigs. We might have a New Year gig, just to you know get a bit more transport money. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah, but it was cool. Those 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 years. Um, are formational for me. They sound yeah. very formational. Yeah, they're really, they were really good years for me, actually. Really good years to get started into that whole music thing. Was there anything that happened during those formative years that would have made you say, I don't know if I really want to do this? Never. Was this, okay, so, because, you know, sometimes things do happen where you go, oh, no. This is not for me. Right. <laughs> you know, people say, well, I'm going to go take that bank teller job that my mom and dad or the factory job, whatever. No, no. Do you know what? I never, ever came across anything like that. What happened was, I, I'll be honest with you, Lenny. Now, what happened was, is that obviously when I was getting more and more into it, I'd ask my mom and dad to buy me a drum kit. I went, mom, dad, I really like drum kit. You know, oh, please get me a drum kit. You ain't getting no drum kit. You ain't getting no drum kit. Year after year, I would ask, or week after week. <laughs> and then it became day after day. <laughs> it became day after day, hour after hour. Minute by minute. I want a drum kit. Give me a drum kit. Please give me please give When me did they drum break down? When did they break down? When they, they broke down. They, in fact, they didn't even break down hardcore to the hilt. My mum was, not so much my dad. My dad was great because my dad's coming from like a bit of a musical rhythmic background anyway. So that was great. So I had him on my side. Let's put it that way. I had Is mum and dad side. both Caribbean? Yes. Yeah. From Jamaica. I will say this. I know this about Jamaicans, especially when they live in England. They are rough as far as being disciplined. Discipl oh, God, the word disciplinarians. They stay oh. to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they don't, even if they want to break it, they won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they straight won't down roll. the line. Don't mess no. about. If they say no. 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 Don't ask again. But I did. I was very persistent. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you had Mission Impossible there. It was, it was a bit like that. It was a bit like that. And then what happened was is that my mum said to me, well, if you want a drum kit, you're going to have to buy it yourself. The only way a drum kit is coming in this house is if you buy it yourself. So I thought, all right, then I'm going to buy myself a drum kit. <laughs> so what did I do? I went out and got myself a part-time job 
at Marks and Spencers. Good for you. Yeah, in Dalston, East London. And I worked there for, what's the word, for about three or four years. But I managed to get together £400 to buy my first drum kit. All right. Yeah. Yes. To buy my first drum kit. Yeah, my first ever Black Sparkle 1964 Slingerland drum kit. Nice drum kit. Yeah. Yeah, six piece it was. Six piece. Like 12, 13, 14, 16 inch Tom, 22 inch kick. Nice, nice big sound kick. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, metal snare. I think it was 14 by five, I think. 14 by five snare. Which was, it was, a Ludwig? was it Black Beauty? Was it one of those? Or the typical silver one? The typical silver, silver. Piccolo snare. You know, the, no, a bit deeper I, than the Piccolo because Piccolo is like four inch, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? This one is like, this is like a bit deeper. It's about it's five inch. So like a standard Slingerland snare, which is actually quite cool. Really nice sound to it. Had a good sound to it. A bit hard to tune. A bit hard to tune. I'll be honest. It's a bit hard to tune, but I've got a great sound out of it. And it, you know, it worked, worked really well, worked out how to tune it just about, um, got my, got my brand new Remo heads on it and everything. It was great. Loved it. And that, and that, and that was my first ever drum kit. And that's uh, and then of course, you know, that came into the house and, and I set it up in my little kind of box bedroom and I managed to set the whole thing up, the whole six piece up. In your bedroom? In the bedroom. It must have took up the whole bedroom. It took up the whole bedroom. Um, yeah, what were the um, symbols made from? Who's symbols? The symbols were, you mean who made them? Who right. Made them? Oh, right. Um, gosh. Was it Zildjian, Sabian? No, no, it wasn't Sabian. It was Zildjian. But old school, old school Zildjian sounded so tinny. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't even funny. They just sounded super tinny. But one thing I did buy, which was Zildjian, and which were great, were the hi-hats, which were new beat hi-hats. And I bought those because I knew that Harvey Mason and Billy Cobham played them. So I went out of my way and bought and bought those hi-hats. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome, bro. Whatever. Let me ask you something. How important is it to, <laughs> as a drummer, you know, everybody has their, you know, look, <laughs> Here's the deal for me. I'm not a drummer. I'm a record producer. I'm, I'm as people heard me on past shows yeah. talk about. I'm classically trained, so I could talk to you somewhat musically. Yeah, but I'm not a drummer. I've also been blessed to be invited to Earl Young's house, who is the fr- the maker of the Four Four Sound, and I was oh. able to check out his drums. And I interviewed him and all, and I heard the cymbals. He had thick, thick metal Zildjian cymbals. Right. Okay. So a little bit darker sounding. Yeah. When you're testing things right you go to a music shop and you're testing what are you looking for for symbols because you know drum heads is a certain you got a slinger so we know how that sounds got that 60s sound real wood so when you're looking for that symbol me or you is that you it's me it's me (laughs) trying to send me all kinds of stuff right now it's crazy they're sending me love letters oh Dear Lenny, you're just tell them you're working, dude. I'm trying to. I'm trying. They know I'm working. Please ask them about the Zildjian symbols. <laughs> I'm asking them. <laughs> well, go ahead. So when you go into like as a as a professional drummer, even when you started, 
you got the cheaper versions. You're probably excited that you were able to get yeah. these symbols, right? They're expensive. They could be as much as the drum kit, from what I understand. Yeah, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So what I'm looking for, I mean, when I when I was younger, I was still trying to find my sound, right? So I'm like experimenting with all different kinds of symbols, sounds, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but for me, I was just because I'd listened to my heroes, do you know what I mean? Then I'd kind of like, like want to imitate their sound. But, you know, so I'd know that I'd like the sound of Billy Cobham's cymbals on a certain track. So I'd try and find a cymbal that sounds similar to that, you know. So it would be like a Zildjian 16-inch dark crash or something, you know. But I didn't know it was a dark crash until I'd gone into the shop and played it. And then I'd go, right. I like that symbol, you know, but the hi-hats, I definitely knew because I'd seen them on a picture in a, in a, in a, in a catalog with a Billy Cobham playing these new beat hi-hats, which had the holes oh, in wow. it. <laughs> so I knew, I knew, I knew exactly what hi-hats I wanted, which is great. <laughs> and I still have those symbols. I still have those symbols, believe it or not. I believe it. Yeah. I still have those symbols. So I'm looking for um, a sound. I mean, I, you know, I look for a sound that's, that I think relates to the music that I play, basically. That's the main thing. I, you know, I wouldn't go in and buy a, a thin, a thin crash cymbal. It would, it would be pretty thick. And then I'd, and there'd be 14, 15 inch, 15 inch cymbals, 15 inch upwards. And then I'd get effect cymbals like, Splash symbols, eight inch, ten inch. So when we look at your drum kit, like Neil Pert from Rush, oh, Neil Pert had he <laughs> looked like a drum store. When you look, it's he had everything around him, including a gong. I mean, everything. Do you actually, as a drummer, use everything? I, I, do you know what? I only use what's required. What's required. Lenny. But you're laughing, but you know what I mean. You watch Neil Peart. I love Rush. People, I like rock. And not just a boy. I love rock music, and I love I love listening to good good instrumentation. Yeah, so I yeah. ask these questions to him. You know, think, you know. You look at Neil Peart. You look at John Bonham's. Yeah. Led Zeppelin's, you know, some of them are very simple sets. Yeah. Ringo from the Beatles, four yeah. piece set, straight yeah. up. Straight yeah. up, with all that fancy stuff, rat toms, gongs, yeah. cymbals, splash, <laughs> are you using everything or no? Well, he obviously does. I, I won't lie, I've seen him play, and he actually uses everything for whatever song he's doing. He, you, he'll use some part of that kit, so everything will get used. The gong he'll most probably hit most probably once at the end of a song, but he still uses it. Right. right. So same with Mick Fleetwood. I saw Fleetwood Mac. He had that gong too. I'm yeah, like, wow. yeah. And not only is it just an image. It looks beautiful. It looks beautiful, but it's great. Right. How cool does that look? Even if you don't hit it, it still looks great. Beautiful. It's a gorgeous look having that copper gong behind you. you know? <laughs> I like it when they, some of them play and they got like the gong, the, the mallet at the end of the stick. So they've got a stick at one end, the gong thing at the other. And I've seen them play. And then they stop and then they just literally swap the stick around and just go wallop. Boom. Hit the gong, bring the stick back down, swap it around and then start playing again. Wow. I'm like, that's a, a showmanship. 
<laughs> yes. I tell you, someone I enjoy as a drummer too, seeing, like I, I mentioned in the opening, Buddy Rich. Oh, amazing drummer. I mean, he drummer. rest in peace, but what amazing drummer. Talk about keeping time. Oh, gosh, yeah. And he was a workhorse as well. He proper, like, he was a proper workhorse, but a fantastic drummer, but also had a, fan, a great musical ear. And, you know, to direct a big band, be a drummer, direct a big band, and know exactly what you're listening for, that's hard work. It's hard work. But he had the ear for it, and he knew exactly what he wanted to hear. So everybody that played had to be on the ball because he he'd hear mistakes he'd hear the mistakes what a but what a drummer great solos great solos yeah it's true and a great groove fantastic groove a whole big band thing that's him man just oh fantastic but then you know you've got gene krupa people like gene krupa who's like an amazing drummer again big band drummer and was the first drummer to use a double kick drum he was the first ever drummer to bring double kick drum into like jazz. Wow. Yeah. He's like proper. Oh, is it double kick drum or double pedal? Double kick drum. Two, 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 uh, two bass drums. I've seen some drum. guys use double pedals to get that same effect. Yeah. Um, I used to use that. I don't use it so much now, but um, I used to use that. Um, you know, it just takes up room, to be honest. It's like, I don't really need two pedals. I don't hit the double kick drum pedal that often so i don't use it that much but whereas somebody like gene krupa or ginger baker or billy cobham they use it a lot they use it a lot so good luck to me. but we still don't have musical training we're still going on the strength of natural ability from what i'm understanding yeah yeah my musical training is natural i'm self-taught lenny honestly i'm self-taught um, I've only had uh, one, two, three, four, five lessons in my whole musical career. Uh, and that's the so if somebody scored something out for you and said, you got to follow the chart. Can you, can you follow a chart or you do it by ear? I, I'm a majority ear man, like 99% <laughs> majority ear man. 1% reading. My reading's not brilliant. I can get by, uh, but I would have to sit down and work it out, to be honest. I can't just sight read. You get some drummers that just get on the drums and then just read. Yeah, I know. They're just read amazing. Play, they, right? they can read and write. It's like, what? Like, whoa. Just read and play and just go like, whoa, 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 and just know it straight off. I can't do that. I've got to learn the song. Um, that's but okay, you, but you do it well. So that's... Yeah, but it's how I was brought up. You know, I was brought up by listening to music, learning beats. That's how I was, that's how I trained myself. Um, and then I'll be honest with you. I learned from a, a, uh, a really good friend of mine, drummer, great jazz drummer and a great reggae. And it's a fantastic reggae drummer, but he actually plays everything. He's actually, who's he playing? He's playing with is it JP, JP Harvey She's a singer, right? Is it JP Harvey. She's like I think so, yeah. JP Harvey. So he's playing with her. His name's Kenrick Rowe. And he was the guy that put me onto drum rudiments, which are the drum exercises. Okay. Yeah. So he put me onto those. Now that was interesting. So because I'd never done rudiments before. So we're going back now. So we're going back a bit now to like when I was about 15 or something. And I started to do the rudiments. Now those rudiments are basically like scales, 
for a pianist. I mean, you're classically trained, so you know, right? So, Doremi Fasola Sido. All that kind of stuff. But for me, <laughs> he's doing it with right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, hold on, where is it? Hold on. He's got it there. I got it. And this is my Bible. As in my musical Bible, Stick Control. Stick Control for the Snare Drummer. It's Stick Control for the Snare Drum. It's a great book. It's a great book. And it's, and it's got like the first, basically all the drums, are, all, the, all the things that people play on drums are based on the first 26 exercises out of this book, essentially. And that book's got everything in it. That book's got everything in it. So I've spent my time, even recently, literally as Monday I was practicing. Do you know what I mean? On the drum pad. And just from that book, it's great. It's really and practicing great. is part of it. You have to stay in shape, right? Oh my goodness. It is so important. It is so important. If you want to be good at what you, what you do, you know, obviously there's other aspects, but to keep the chops up, you have to practice. Even if it's 30 minutes a day, you just practice. You practice. Children, <laughs> get behind your instrument. It is. Get and me. learn your instrument. Put that 30 minutes to an hour in. You want to be good at stuff. You have time right now. We're in COVID. You know damn well and get behind. <laughs> you know better. Stop watching Netflix. Shut the Netflix off and learn your instruments. Get off the PS4. A <laughs> PS4 is deadly. <laughs> it's a disease. It's, it's, it, I don't. I thank God I'm not in, involved with it, but I do know people that do get behind it. And yeah, I, so do I. It's two not... days later, they're still there. <laughs> not in an hour. Oh so, my gosh! On your journey, you got yeah. you got your slinger set. Yeah. Where are you going after that first band? So where are we on the on your timeline? Where are we going? Well, the timeline now. So we're talking about maybe 16 years old, 17. We're right at about the, the, the 18 year old mark now, 17, 18 year old mark. I've got my drum kit. Uh, I've joined another band called uh, Transients, which is now, I'm now what kind of upgrading now in the beats that I'm playing because I'm now playing jazz funk. You're playing uh, jazz funk now? I'm playing jazz funk now. I've gone from reggae to playing jazz funk because wow. I'm, that's when I discovered Billy Cobham, Harvey Mason, Clear, bands like Clear, uh, Donald Bird. Um, Confunction, uh, you know, Bloodstone, uh, oh gosh, loads when of bands. When you're playing jazz funk, is that a 4 4 kick sound or is it a 2 4? A cut time feels like ba ba boom ba boom ba boom. Is that do you know it with jazz funk? It's like it's like jazz and funk, but what I used to play was more the funkier side of jazz funk so it's in the middle but you've got you could play jazz funk more the jazzier side which is the complicated quite complicated stuff or you can play the funkier side of jazz funk which is patrice russian donald bird your harvey masons you know that clear uh, that that kind of that's jazz funk the funkier side of it or uh, people might know it as incognito yes or, or us so to speak. Right, incognito. You know I mean? Yeah, incognito or uh, Jamiroquai, uh, jazz funk, you know. So um, I I was basically into those bands and through listening to those bands, I wanted to play that kind of music. And I found other musicians during my journey of going from reggae and still practicing at home and everything, 
who want who were into the same kind of music that I was, you know, playing that whole jazz funk thing. Um, and uh, and I joined a band called Transients, uh, and you know we'd again you know we'd re- we'd write tracks or Faye the Faye uh, who played the keyboard she'd write the tracks and I was in the band with Faye Dave Brooks uh, Patrick uh, myself and Steve Williamson who's quite a really good jazz who's a fantastic jazz saxophonist was into jazz funk and could play really, really, and then still does play really, really well. And, you know, we just, just, just made up our own compositions and just played, played them out, but we didn't get much gigs because there wasn't really much call for it, to be honest. There wasn't much call for it. And the biggest bands at the time were, do you know, Light of the World? World. Yes. They came out the same time as Incognito, basically way back the first album, Jazz Funk, Incognito, was primarily made up of players from Light of the World. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And produced by Bluey. Right. Yeah. So Bluey was, was, Blue was like in with all these bands because there was like a scene, a jazz funk scene going on in North London. And you'd have uh, Southern Freeze, Light of the World, Incognito, um british oh god i'm gonna i want to say the track british hustle oh i can't remember the name of the band um beggars beggar and co there's like a ton of bands that that came out from north london that set that whole scene up that whole jazz funk scene you know and it consequently just kind of lifted and went along went along central line was another one yeah you know central line so they're from like north london you know what I mean? They're all like this is all the eighties now. This is all the early eighties. I remember when yeah, 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 yeah. And so that was like my kind of era of like getting into that whole jazz funk scene and slowly moving over, and then you know again slowly moving over into that kind of the disco thing because I wanted to. I didn't want to play complicated stuff. I just wanted to dance behind the drums, <laughs> and I wanted to make people dance. You know what I mean? You know that was my thing. If I saw people dancing. I was happy, you know, and, um, and I had just got in, you know, and I moved over into that. And that's why I started listening to bands like clear basically. Um, and, uh, a bloodstone and, um, brass construction. There's another one, big influence for me, brass construction. Uh, again, you know, Do- Donald bird was a big influence and, and Patrice Russian was a massive influence because she had that, that big beat going on behind her tracks, even though it was jazz funk, it was the funkier side. Sure. Do you know what I mean? We're kind of bordering on even disco, so to speak. Well, yeah, because when you listen you know. to the beats, it, it yeah. is straight up 4-4. Four yeah. Boom, it's, boom, yeah, boom, 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 exactly. boom. Yeah. Constant. It's a constant sound. It's not exactly. stopping. Exactly. And how many people do we know from that era who had records in the charts with what they were doing? Patrice Russian was like most probably one of the only ones to be honest and brass construction. That's Randy Muller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Randy yeah. Muller. Randy Muller. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and it was that beat, that constant to do, do it with the hi-hat work and stuff. You know, and that is that, that's what just grabbed me really. I was just into it big time. Just like, I want to play like that. I yeah, but like a record like like <laughs> Lovers Come Around, Donald Bird. That's Donald a Bird, yeah. That leaves, that leaves the jazz funk 
and yeah. goes into the dance yeah club exactly side. exactly exactly you know exactly that and um and, you know we you know we just and we just wanted to produce tra- sorry write track and play tracks based on that kind of vibe when we was in transients and and consequently we you know we did we just didn't do that many gigs because <laughs> there's no call for it because somebody else what was, was the call at that time when you were doing that what were people into you know that since you were you were right. not you know um people were into i, I suppose they would would have been into like the light the world central line um yeah but you remember those guys we weren't recording tracks and putting them out because we were just young lenny do you know what i mean we were like young and just you know, coming through you know it's also the sly and robbie sound was, was, was really was really going that you? to me no, <laughs> dude and people want to get i've seen you do the phone has never ever rung it must be a busy one I don't know why it's ringing. It shouldn't be ringing for F's sake. But anyway, don't swear. interrupting my important interview. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, 